Hello and welcome to Where the Rubber Meets the Road podcast with Safe Ride for Kids. You know, driving is the most dangerous activity that we do every day. Uh, but we recognize that you and your family have places to be and things to do. And at Safe Ride for Kids, we help you and your family arrive safely. And, by, and we do that by equipping you with access to innovative products and unbiased information from our team of certified safety experts. I'm Greg DeRocher, and today I'm co-founder and CEO at Safe Ride for Kids. But my first career was as a firefighter, para, firefighter paramedic, where unfortunately I got to see firsthand the devastation that car crashes can cause in people's lives. And that's also where I got started in injury prevention education back in 2000 as a certified child passenger safety technician. Because a child's safety in the car is, you know, it's largely dependent upon the parents or the caregiver's choices. Um, I've also been an instructor of the car seat curriculum, certifying technicians since 2001. I am Amy DeRocher. I am co-founder and creative director at Safe Ride for Kids. Um, I became a, car, a certified car seat technician back in 2004. Greg was one of my instructors. Um, I write most of the content on our website. I'm also the website designer. And we are parents to three children. And just for clarity, I was we were married before she took the car seat class. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, in past uh, podcasts, we talked about selection, direction, and location, where to put your car seat. Today, we're going to be talking about installation, how to properly install your car seat. And these are the, the five steps to you know, properly installing any car seat or any ch- properly transporting any child in a car seat. So the installation step is the actual positioning of the car seat or installation of the car seat into the vehicle. And generally speaking, there are two methods or technologies to do that. So if you think back, you know, from a historical perspective, uh, initially car seats, well, initially they weren't installed in the car at all. <laughs> the the first generation of car seats were things that actually like just hung on the vehicle seat back or were kind of like uh, beds in the car. People used to use burlap bags just to keep their kid in a location in the car just <laughs> so they weren't like spazzing out all over the car. B- bouncing around the car. Um, but the first actually, you know, installed car seats, uh, obviously the only technology available was the car seat, the vehicle's seatbelt system. So when we talk about the seatbelt, we're, we're talking about using the vehicle's seatbelt to anchor in or install a restraint system. But there's a relatively newer method of installing car seats, and that's called the latch system. And latch stands for lower anchor, lower anchors and tether for children. Um, so the lower anchors are the two little hooks in the seat bite at the bottom where the ch- child's butt goes. And then the tether is usually over the seat or um, on the floor behind the seat or sometimes in the roof, sometimes in the back dash. You know, it all depends on what kind of car you have and where they located it. 
So what we're going to be talking about is we're going to talk about how to use those two different systems. Um, most of the time, you're only going to use one or the other. And this is something where you really have to refer to the owner's manual for your child restraint, for your child's car seat, to determine which system you're going to use and when to use it. And it also depends on where you're putting the car seat. Um, we talked about it briefly last time, but when you're deciding where to put the car seat, sometimes you can use a latch from the driver's side and a latch from the passenger side, um, latch lower anchors to install the car seat in the center position, but most of the time you can't. So you also really have to look at the car uh, the manual. The vehicle's owner's manual. Hmm. To see if they allow it or not. So obviously, as you can tell, there's a, there are a lot of different variables that need to be taken into consideration. Um, but real quickly, uh, just when we're talking about using the seatbelt, it's important to understand the technology of the seatbelt and the technology of your car seat. Um, if you think about when we're installing a child restraint in the car, it's important that that child restraint remains securely installed pre-crash, meaning when you're just driving around town the 99% of the time when you're not getting in a car crash, it's important for that car seat to remain tight and securely installed. And from a car seat technician uh, inspection perspective, that's one of the more common mistakes or errors that we see is car seats that are not actually locked into place. Uh, car seat manufacturers over the years have uh, you know, gone a long ways towards uh, mitigating that misuse by installing locking mechanisms into the child restraint itself. So the child restraint will have, uh, it's called a built-in lock-off that locks the seatbelt so that the parent doesn't have to understand or use the locking mechanisms that are built into the vehicle. And into the vehicle seatbelt. Into the vehicle seatbelt system, correct. Um, sometimes that lock off is like a clip on the side. Sometimes it's a little thing that you slide the seatbelt into. So they vary by the car seat. And the technology. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are a pathway. Uh, that you would feed both lap and shoulder uh, seatbelt through and then, you know, lock uh, one particular brand, the whole seat back inside the child seat folds up and you run the seatbelt through it and then you just push that whole part of the seat back down and clip it in and that automatically locks the seatbelt in place. So uh, the point is, is that it would be impossible for us and really, really boring for you to go through all of the technologies that, out th that are out there. But what you need to do is understand the child restraint that you're using and make sure that you're using it correctly. Um, one way to do that is to meet with a certified child passenger safety technician in your area and have them go through the inspection station uh, process with you. 
and in the, we're recording this in uh, February of uh, 2021, uh, which is in the tail ends of the coronavirus um, pandemic here in the U.S., and a lot of technicians have actually been utilizing remote inspections where they'll talk you through it. They'll have you pull out your camera and video what you're doing, you know, share like a FaceTime type of, of interaction. So even if you're in a remote area or um, for whatever reason you can't meet face-to-face -face with somebody, uh, there are still ways that you can get help. And I'm certain that those are going to persist after um, after the pandemic is resolved and we get back to normal, um, I believe that there will still be a lot of those virtual options uh, available just because people have gotten comfortable with it. Now, going back to the latch system, the latch system came about because car seat manufacturers and automotive manufacturers got together and we're trying to come up with a technology that could be built into the vehicle that was not the seatbelt. So it was an additional system built into the vehicle that would make it easier and less confusing for parents to install correctly install and use their children's car seats. Um, I think after, you know, they've been on the market I'm guessing around 15 years because they were not or they were just coming onto the market 20 years ago when I got started. So somewhere between 15, 20 years ago, this uh, lower anchors and tethers for children were getting started in the market. And um, I think there's still a lot there. could You could make an argument that it has not achieved its goal of making things more simple. I think in a lot of cases that actually made it more confusing because then people think, well, if seatbelt's good, then latch and seatbelt would be even better. But that's not necessarily the case. So we do have a lot of parents who get confused about how to use, how to use it and when to use it and when to use it and um, properly using it. Because even in latch, there are some things that if you don't switch over the, la the latch clips, to the right direction, then you're using it incorrectly and things like that. So, so, so when is a good time to use latch? Uh, oh, the other thing that we need to remember with latch too is it goes up to a weight limit. Right. So if your car seat and child combined weight is more than 65 pounds, then you cannot use latch. And that's because the anchors in the vehicle are only rated up to 65 pounds. So any combination of child seat and child that exceeds 65 pounds, you would need to stop using the lower anchor strap and switch to using the vehicle seatbelt to install the car seat. So some of those car seats are pretty heavy, up to 25 pounds. So <clears throat> once your child's 40 pounds, you can no longer use that latch in that example doesn't mean you can't use this the the child restraint up to its upper weight limit which may be 50 55 pounds or sometimes more it just means that you have to change the way that you're installing it in the vehicle so when you're using the latch what um, is going to be important to understand 
is, like Amy had mentioned before, you want to make sure that the location in the vehicle has a lower anchor and tether system as one complete system. Uh, the, the lower anchors that are mounted into the car are a single unit and there, there's a very specific distance uh, between those two anchor points, a left and a right anchor point. And car seats, uh, children's car seats, child restraint systems, are engineered to match uh, that distance between uh, left and right anchor point. And so if the scenario that Amy was describing earlier where you're trying to use the center seating position in the car, but the vehicle manufacturer only has a, a left outboard or you know, sitting by the window and a right a, a driver and a passenger side uh, seating position that has the lower anchor system, you're probably not, depending on the vehicle and the child restraint, you're probably not going to be able to put that child seat in the middle and utilize the inner part of the passenger and the inner part of the driver's side lower anchor system. That's rarely allowed. Now, some car manufacturers will put three pairs, so an outboard, a middle, and another outboard. So there's three pairs of lower anchors in a row. It just totally depends on the vehicle. There are some vehicles where they're offset too, so they're kind of... It's like one it, and a half. <laughs> <laughs> or it's on there, the, there's it's, two seating positions, but they're kind of like in the middle between passenger and center and center and driver's seat. So they're kind of... They're moved towards the inner part of the vehicle just to give more distance between the passenger or the driver, the exterior door and the child seat um, in case of a side impact. There's more distance there. So when are you going to use... Uh, can you use the lower anchors for rear-facing or forward-facing child restraints? The answer is most of the time, yes, you can. Um, rear-facing seats are going to come with a lower anchor strap, or some are even a rigid uh, anchor where it's actually bars that come out of the child restraint and clip into those vehicles in the, in the, in the, the lower anchors in the vehicle. Um, and forward-facing. If you're using a rear-facing child restraint and you use the lower anchors, there's almost, there's very few brands of car seat that will actually offer an option to use a tether. Um, so when you're using a rear-facing seat, you'll almost always only be using the lower anchors. And you won't use the tether or the tether part of latch until you're in a forward-facing child restraint system, at which point you're, you would be using the lower anchors and the tether. You, it is best practice to use the tether whenever it's available. Um, not all vehicles, uh, older vehicles before, uh, I want to say 2003, 
Uh, my 2001 had a tether, but not the lower anchors. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't recall off the top of my head the exact year that manufacturer, car manufacturers starting installing tethers. Um, but just keep in mind that the vehicle, an older vehicle, may not have a tether anchor point, which means that you may not be able to use the tether, but all child restraints are currently certified with or without the use of the tether. And that's true except a couple of high weight um, forward facing restraint systems that require the use of a tether, but those are fairly unique. So you just want to make sure that you um, are using the tether if it's available. Um, and, and certainly if it's required. And if it's required by the child restraint manufacturer. Um, and the reason that we want you to use the tether strap is it reduces the uh, forward head movement. So in a crash, it reduces how far the child's head gets thrown forward. So let's go to... I guess I'll summarize lower anchors. One, make sure that the seating position that you're installing the child restraint in has a lower anchor system and tether system for that seating position. Uh, make sure that you're routing the lower anchor strap that comes with the car seat through the correct belt path. So there on child restraints, there is a if it's a convertible. In other words, a convertible is a re child restraint that converts from rear facing to forward facing. With the exception of one or two child restraints on the market, they all have two belt paths, a rear facing seat belt path or a forward facing seat belt path. And that seat belt path is also what you would use for the lower anchor strap. So you want to make sure that you're using the correct belt path when you're installing that. And then once it's installed, the goal is for that child restraint to move less than one inch side to side or front to back. And that's met pulling with the the force of say a firm handshake um, I, the the technical number is like 12 pounds of force uh, but most people have no reference for that um, one reference would be it takes about nine pounds of force to lift and open the door handle on a car so slightly more than you would op use to open the car door is the amount of force that you want to check the car seat you know, back when I was early getting started in this, we used to install them much tighter than that. <laughs> we used to call it firefighter tight, where you could pretty much rock the entire car with the child restraint. Um, that's potentially over tight. <laughs> it can uh, permanently disfigure the seat, uh, the seat covering, the seat belt, the seat belt. So we don't want actually to be that tight. Uh, the goal is less than one inch of movement. And the important thing is that you want to measure that at the belt path where the seat belt is going or the latch strap is going through the car seat. But we'll 
talk a little bit more about that at the end. Now, using, uh, so another detail on the latch is Amy had mentioned earlier that the a lot of lower, a lot of tether anchors and lower anchor straps are what's called a J-hook. And some of them are actually a different type of hook that just pushes onto the bar. But either way, there's a correct way and an incorrect way to hook those onto the lower anchor in the vehicle. And usually, it for the J-hook, uh, it's going to go over the, over the top of the bar and down to clip in um, on the black plastic type that push onto the bar, the rounded part is going to be facing up. And those will actually say like on the little side of the plastic part, which way should be up for which direction. Yes. It's printed in the plastic. It's, it's, it's just embossed in the plastic. So sometimes it's hard to read, but if you take a close look, it is there. Now let's switch to the seatbelts. The seatbelts are a little bit different. There's, if you think about what is the function of a seatbelt, for you and I as the adult occupant, the seatbelt is there to keep us in the vehicle during a crash, whether that's a forward impact or a rollover, doesn't really matter. The whole point is that the seatbelt is going to lock when the car crash happens. Sometimes that's a sudden deceleration. I'm sure you've all experienced it where, you know, you um, lean forward too fast and the seatbelt locks and you, you know, have that sudden. Whoa, I thought I was going forward. I'm not. <laughs> lunge, <laughs> lunge into the seatbelt. Um, other times it's by the momentum of the vehicle slowing down can cause it to lock. But the whole point is that all seatbelts will lock in a crash. The question is, can we lock the seatbelt before the crash in order to keep a child restraint tightly installed? Now, again, this is if your child restraint doesn't already have one of those lock-off systems in it, which are can be easier to use, sometimes not as easy. So, And are often required by the child restraint if your child restraint has a lock-off. But I want you to understand the mechanics of what's going on in the car as well. There's really two places that offer the potential for the seatbelt to lock. One is in the retractor, which is the part of the seatbelt system that winds up the extra webbing. So Where the seatbelt comes out of the car. Yeah, where the seatbelt comes out of the car and goes back in up with the little windy um, spring-loaded uh, retractor. That's one location that offers the potential to lock. The other location that offers the potential to lock is the latch plate itself. And the latch plate is the little piece of metal that has the tongue on it that goes into the buckle. And the buckle is the part that's permanently mounted and fixed in the, the car uh, seat bite between people. So the latch plate on some brands of vehicles, the latch plate has a locking mechanism. So I'm not going to go into um, a lot of detail about how to test the latch plate, uh, but 
if you have any questions about how to install a car seat in your car using the seatbelt. We have a video on our website. We have a video on our website, absolutely. And you want to get into the owner's manual for your vehicle. But for most of the cars that are out there today, the locking mechanism is in the retractor. The way that you determine if, if you have it and how to activate it is you're going to pull the seatbelt slowly out of the retractor until you get to the very end of the seatbelt. At that point, you might hear a click. And then as you allow the seatbelt to go back into the retractor, you won't be able to pull it back out. And you, again, you might hear it ratcheting, click, 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 as you allow the seatbelt to go back in. That's the locked mode that is intended for you to use when installing your car seat so that the car seat remains locked during normal driving conditions um, so that when the crash occurs, the seatbelt is nice and snug, the child restraint is properly positioned to, for the best possible outcome for that crash. Um, and again, if your child restraint has a built-in lock-off, like many of them do today, you are probably not going to use that locking feature. Most of the car seat manufacturers tell you to just leave the seatbelt in what we call the adult mode, the non-locking mode, or the emergency-only locking mode. Anything to add to that, hun? Mm, no, I think you covered that. Okay, so I was uh, gonna say we have pictures, but I can't find any pictures on our website. I know we have a social media post that has pictures, but I might have to add those. <laughs> okay, um, so the other thing that you need to be thinking about when you're installing the car seat into the vehicle is the angle. What angle is the child restraint at? All car seats. All rear-facing car seats definitely have some sort of an angle indicator. And what that angle indicator is doing is informing you of what's the best angle for the child's back, head and back, to be at for their age and maturity level. So if you think about a newborn, they don't have the muscle control to control their airway. So it's much more important for them to be slightly more reclined towards a lying down position so that their head doesn't fall forward and potentially obstruct their airway. As they get older, that angle of this, the child restraints back is going to most likely be more elevated, more to an upright seating position, closer to um, an upright seat. But for rear-facing children, it's always going to be at some sort of an angle, likely around 45 degrees. And a uh, convertible seat, they often have an angle indicator for rear-facing and an angle indicator for forward-facing. So you want to make sure you're reading the right one. Um, and then also make sure that you're parked on level ground and not on a hill so that your level indicator is indicating the correct angle of the seat and not of the car. 
And that, yeah, that's especially important with the uh, bubble type indicators or pendulum type indicators. Uh, if it's just a line on the car seat, which sometimes it is, it's just a printed line on the label. That says this should be parallel to the ground. Exactly. So um, keep that in mind if you do have one of the bubble or, or pendulum type indicators. And what Amy was just mentioning is that they do have both a rear-facing, convertible seats have both a rear-facing and a forward-facing. And sometimes when you switch from rear-facing to forward-facing, there's an angle adjuster. Sometimes it's a foot that folds under. Uh, it'll be folded under during rear-facing use, and then you pull it out for that uh, to help that seat maintain more of a 90 degree angle for forward facing. Um, or depending on the brand, sometimes it's a slide where it actually rotates the uh, upper part of the child restraint in relation to the base. There's a lot of different technologies that manufacturers use. You just want to make sure that you're correctly using the right, or putting your child in the right angle for their age and direction of use. Um, so read all those car seat and car manu manuals. Yep. And you know, as you can tell, there's, there's just a lot of variables that need to be taken into account. So the answer for you is what, how does your child restraint work and how does it work specifically in your car? Um, for example, I remember one time, uh, took a phone call from somebody who was trying to use a car seat in a uh, high-end sports car. And what they ended up finding out was that that vehicle manufacturer only had about three uh, brands, two or three brands of car seat that were allowed to be used in their car. So that these are situations that you might come across. Um, where it's really, really important. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention on that is make sure that you're using, again, when you're transitioning between rear-facing and forward-facing on a convertible seat, make sure that you're switching that uh, seat belt path, whether you're using the lower anchor or the seat belt, make sure that you're using the correct belt path. So we addressed the angles and tightening. Uh, so how, uh, I guess, yeah, when you're covering, when you're, when you're, once you've finally installed it and you're going to give it a tug at the belt path, you want it to move less than one inch, but you also don't want it to be overly tight where you're deforming your, your vehicle's, uh, seat cushion. Um, you're going to find, or you could find aftermarket vehicle seat protectors and other types of accessories. Um, the general rule is uh, as a safe best practice, we don't recommend the use of those types of things. Um, the exception would be if it's allowed, if it's manufactured by the, the brand of car seat that you own, um, then it's likely to be allowed for use with that brand, but not other brands. 
really what we're trying to do is make sure that we're achieving a correct, tight installation every time. And that's going to give the children the best odds of a positive outcome. So with that, we're going to jump right into our safety tip of the week, which we've already covered twice. It's the one inch <laughs> test um, in installation. So I'm going to create another one. So the other new safety tip of the week is visit a child passenger safety technician. It's always good, good to go with your child, your car seat, and your vehicle. And then they can help you piece it all together and what is the best location and installation, how to install it your particular car seat properly in your particular car. So it's always good to visit with a child passenger safety technician. And you should plan on about 30 to 45 minutes for that educational visit. Uh, there's a lot of information that they're going to want to cover with you. And their goal is to make sure that you leave knowing how to properly install your car seat. Correct. It's not, a, it's not an installation service. It's an educational opportunity. Um, and we actually make it really easy for you to find one of those technicians by giving you a short website. So it's the an abbreviation of our company name, which is Safe Ride for Kids. The abbreviated website is SR the number four K.com forward slash C P S Tech T E C H. So altogether, that's SR4K.com forward slash CPS tech. And that's child passenger safety technician. On that page is going to be a button that will take you to an outside resource where you can put in your city and state. And if you, there's other information that you can put in. Um, if you know a technician by name, things of that nature, or if there's a special need, uh, you can identify that you need somebody who's a special need certified technician. Um, and then you hit the search button and it's going to give you a list of people in your area who are uh, certified technicians available to help. There is the, the opportunity or the, the, the field to put in a zip code. Typically, what we find is that if you put in the zip code, it limits the search too narrow, so you don't get any results. Yeah, if you're not getting any results, start taking off information yeah. and you know maybe even just end up with your state and then look for something close or to you. The nearest major city. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll get a, a longer list of resources. So our parenting tip this week is, um, <laughs> in a word, flexibility. <laughs> um, you know, we've all heard the, the saying that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Well, you know, we believe that there's always going to be alternative uh, solutions to any conflict or difficulty or challenge that you're facing. So it's not about giving up and saying, well, I've tried everything. <laughs> You know, think about... Um, it's not about um, it has to be this way. It's finding a way that works for both you and the child. 
to achieve the outcome. And that's why it's important to know what what are we actually fighting about? <laughs> or what are we what what issue are we trying to resolve? And then getting creative and flexible about finding a solution that's going to get you to the end result, even if it wasn't what you were originally planning. So hope that's helpful. Thanks for joining us this week in Where the Rubber Meets the Road by Safe Ride for Kids. Until next time, safe travels.